Hello, everyone. Welcome once again to Cave of the Cross Apologetics. I'm Patrick. And I'm Tony. And uh, you did it, uh, if, <laughs> as long as you make it to the end of the video. So uh, make sure you get to the end of the video. Start it again. Just let it play, and that way we get more views that way. So, um, But we did it. We uh, we made it through another book. Uh, you, you blew off the dust. You took it down from your shelf. And you read it, and you're like, oh, hey, I, I know some of this stuff. I didn't even need those two guys talking to me. So uh, we're at the very end of chapter seven for James Anderson's Why Should I Believe Christianity? And then we're also going to cover the uh, summary chapter there, of course, and, and we'll figure out what our next book is. But, uh, but so we're in the middle of trying to figure out the resurrection, and we looked at the, the reasonableness of the resurrection, right. why we should believe it, why should we expect it, considering all the other things that led up to uh, the arguments that uh, uh, Dr. Anderson has made. And so now we're talking about the unreasonableness of the alternatives. Right. So, so if Jesus didn't ri- rise from the dead, then okay, what are the what? How do we explain what Christianity and what's going on and that kind right, of stuff? Right. right? Yeah. So you get this from either skeptics or Muslims. Uh, you know, Muslims have their own idea of, oh well, it wasn't really um, Jesus on the cross. He was switched for Joseph of Arimathea, or sometimes <laughs> it's Judas takes the place, which would be. Very ironic. I, I, I'll give him credit. Or it just didn't happen. So yeah. uh, we'll, we'll cover a little bit about that. So um, perhaps you still have your doubts about the resurrection, he says. And if so, that's not unexpected, right? It's a, it's a, it's a big thing to keep in your mind. Right. If you're resistant to other elements of the Christian worldview, you'll also be doubtful about this central element of the Christian worldview simply because of the integrated nature of the worldviews. And this is what we said is that you can't take one piece out and look at it. It all works together yeah, fits for good, together, for the God's right, glory. <laughs> right. and, yeah. And his, you know, and his, you know, his take is that it's coherent. It fits together, as you right. say. And so, uh, yeah, you need all of it. Yeah. Yeah. So odd as it may sound, such resistance is actually consistent with the teaching of Christianity. Very much so. One of the teachings of the Bible is that faith in Jesus Christ has to be supernaturally given because of the effects of sin on our hearts and minds. Right. So the idea here is that doubting isn't something that is, uh, you know, catches God by, you know, oh, I didn't know they were going to do that. No, this is actually what's expected, right? right. Because of uh, the nature of our sinfulness right. and that sort of thing. He's yeah. not tapping his toe going, really, you, you need more than <laughs> Christ rising from the dead. In fact, uh, Dr. Anson covers this in, in the uh, concluding chapter too yeah. about why even write this book if right. if the supernatural thing needs to happen? So we'll yeah. cover that then. Yeah. Too. So as you digest what this chapter says, he tells us uh, he wants to encourage you to ask this simple question, which is the question we really already asked, right? What's the alternative to the resurrection? If Jesus didn't die, then how do we explain, you know, all the stuff that's, that's happened, the history of Christianity, the popularity, the, you know, the Bible, all that kind of stuff, right? The, the rise up in, in a small community made up by Jews first, and then uh, getting uh, Gentiles and the barbarians, the rich and the poor coming together, uh, society overturning uh, after the fall of Rome especially, uh, Christianity continuing to flourish in multiple parts of the region, going out from the world yeah. at that specific time. I mean, there's a lot of things that stem from that point. So if you want to say, well, Jesus never existed, well, then does disciples exist? Well, they didn't exist. Well, how about where, where the first church come from? Well, they didn't exist either. <laughs> at, what point, at what point are you going to grant the allowance that Christianity arose? And then what's what's the source of that? What's the, the point that 
that makes it flourish. Right. And so what he says here is, so, you know, if Jesus didn't actually rise from the dead, what on earth did happen? Right. So that's where we are. And that's the question that he wants us to pursue. Right. So people who uh, reject the the resurrection of Jesus uh, typically do so because they're resistant to the very idea of the supernatural. Right. Uh, uh, Dead men stay dead. That's Uh, right. Right. So they'll try to come up with. Because that's the natural thing to do. Right. 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 Uh, close to 10 out of 10 people (laughs) never rise from the dead. (laughs) So they'll try to come up with naturalistic alternatives. And it's what we would expect, right? We we ask people to live consistently within their worldview for the naturalists telling them to accept the supernatural isn't in their worldview. And so then we have to do an internal critique on them to see if they're being consistent, if they are explaining away like we did with Nancy Piercy's book. Do they, do they, uh, keep things outside the box. Right. Here's your uh, explanation box. Everything fits in. Close the lid. Oh, things pop Stuff, out. Yeah, stuff uh, sticking out of the well, box. That, yeah. that that just doesn't look how it looks. Or you, you know, you sweep <laughs> yeah. it on the That's carpet. That's not real. Or, right. Yeah. It's a, yeah. It's your imagination. Right. Yeah. But the trouble is that these alternatives don't make much sense even on their own terms. And so we're going to run through several of the alternatives to illustrate that. Right. So first he says some people suggested that Jesus didn't actually die on the cross, Mm -hmm. right? That he just kind of passed out, regained consciousness. That's right. And, uh, you know, woke up in the tomb and somehow then he managed to escape the tomb and persuade his disciples that, look, I'm risen from the dead. (laughs) Right. (laughs) He's, uh, you know, uh, got the the elixir of life in a a tomb full of uh, former, well, it would have been former dead bodies, but it was it was a new tomb, so you yeah. know, just a, a cold, damp area inside <laughs> of mine. Right. That somehow revived him, right? right? With, yeah. with, a, with a giant stone and Roman soldiers outside. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Well, if the Romans <laughs> knew anything at all, they knew how to kill people. Boy, is that true, right? <laughs> right. So, you know, so if you're going to say he really didn't die, you're going to say that the Ro- you know Roman soldiers failed their mission there right. because part of the deal. And it's my understanding, and I may be wrong by this, that if, you know, if they messed up on this, they could uh, incur the same punishment. Right. It's, so they were real serious about getting this right. 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 And, and so you, you move forward and, and you have um, uh, uh, Peter and uh, John in prison and the the earthquake happens, the angel lets him out and the jailer throws himself. What do I do? What can I do to be saved? All these people escaped. No, we're still here. Oh yeah. That was Paul. And yeah. And and Philippi. And and so Philippian jailer. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, that that was scared that he was going to lose his life. So it's not a a big theological claim he's, he's making there. (laughs) Uh, But it's incredible to think that Jesus could not only have survived a crucifixion, Right. And the beating, but recovered uh, significantly from those types of injuries. So here's this guy who was beaten, who could who couldn't even carry his own cross. He had to get help. He was lost a lot of blood. He was up there for several hours. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was gasping for breath, you know, all kinds of things. And on the side. Yeah. Yeah. And we're expected to say this guy, you know, emerged from the tomb. Yeah. He, he just know. needed to take a, a three-day nap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he, he breaks through his bearer wrappings. He pushes away the stone from the tomb. He overcomes the guards <laughs> and then persuades his disciple that he's been raised from the dead by the power of God in a locked room. And he's not right, gasping for breath even then. He uh, scares them so much so that he, he comes and does it again. And Thomas declares him. That he's his Lord and his my God. Lord and my God, yeah. So that's so the, the the point he's trying to make here is that that explanation really doesn't follow the facts, right? right? What we know about what 
Romans were able to do with crucifixions and what the description of what happened to Christ and that sort of thing. So here's the second one. He says, others have suggested that Jesus's own disciples stole his body from the tomb and then faked his resurrection. There you go. So the kind of, you know, stealing it and faking it. What is this? Weekend of Bernie's type deal. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, of course, here, here we have to ask what the disciples would have gained from such a deception. Right. In other words, why would they be willing to suffer persecution, even die for claims that they knew full well were false? Right. Right. I mean, you, you you die for something. You can die for something that's false, but usually you think it's true. And that's why, you know, but if you know something is false, then why in the world would you, you know, stick to your guns yeah. and die for it? And especially yeah. at, at least the twelve. Or the seventy, or you know, it, or the five hundred. Yeah, depending <laughs> on 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 what circle you, you want to talk about there, and 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 not so much just dying for it, but even living for it. They weren't they weren't rich. They weren't they weren't uh, uh, socialites who were rubbing elbows with the elite and getting benefactors and and giant sums of money or prestige by doing this. That they, they were outcasts. In fact, they were they were outcasts of outcasts because. That the Jews were outcast in this backwater, you know, can can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nazareth can, yeah. can anything good come out of Jerusalem from from a <laughs> Roman perspective? So much so that Pontius Pilate, you know, pretty much is like, oh, I have to be here because, you know, the the last five guys failed, and now I have to do this. And and then you know, so so you have the Jews, and then within that, they're saying, oh, here's the the, the coming Messiah, and we're coming out of the 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 synagogues and saying we don't have to go back to the temple sacrifices. That, I mean, talk about minority opinions, and so yeah, you yeah. have to you have to want to be in that. So what's what's the cause for that that mind shift? Right. And and it seems like if you read from the Gospels to Acts, a huge shift in character tone in many of these people. Yeah, especially yeah. people like Peter. And yeah. I mean, he he does Confidence, have flaws too. Boldness, yeah, and then Paul on top yeah, of that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. So all these so, things kind of stack so he on top asked of the, each other. You know, he asked the question, how plausible is it that everyone would go along with the right. massive con? Yep. So everybody involved would go along with it. Not a single disciple would break ranks and blow the whistle. Yeah, how, there's not how a, plausible is that? There's right? not a, a gospel of Matthias who, <laughs> who writes, listen, uh, I was yeah, there. This is the way it, it, wasn't, really it wasn't, yeah. <laughs> so what about the, the late converts, as you mentioned, right? Uh, James, Jesus's brother, right. right? Who didn't believe, right? And Paul, obviously, who was the anti-believer, right? Yeah. Who were, you know, these were, uh, weren't believers before the crucifixion, yet they claimed that they, they saw Jesus right. alive as well, right? Go from killing to believing. There seems to be at least something there to, to, to change it. <laughs> and it wasn't the money. <laughs> so another theory uh, is that Jesus' body was removed by the Jewish or Roman authorities. But this suggestion makes a little sense. There's no reason for that to have happened. What, what would be the reason? Why would they protect the tomb with a stone and a guard and then remove the bodies themselves? It seems like if you want to start creating rumors, especially from those disciples that you wanted to to uh, to even uh, push down even more right. so that they wouldn't yeah. rile up everything and ruin uh, you know the the goodness of Herod and his temple. The, this isn't the way to go. <laughs> even if they had moved the body somewhere else, surely they would have whipped it out at Here some. And the yeah. disciples started claiming that okay. Jesus has risen from the dead and put an end to the story. Yeah, like okay, yeah. well, here's how we'll really destroy it. We'll 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 steal it. We'll make them think that the resurrection has happened. 
even though no one quite understands what he means by resurrection all these times that he's like, <laughs> oh, uh, you know, this, you, you destroy this temple and in three days I will rise it again. And they're like, oh, he's talking about that temple right yeah, there. Yeah. He's like, nope, that's not what he was talking about. And, and still they, they would put out and like, ah, here we go. Here's, here's the body of, of your, your alleged God. And so arrest them, kill them all. Be, be yeah, done with it. yeah. So, so that's that, not what that yeah. So that theory really doesn't make any sense because they would just produce the body. Right. Right? I mean, that's you know <laughs> that was the that would be the point of stealing. Yeah. Uh, he says perhaps the most popular explanation offered by skeptics is the hallucination theory. Right. Sure. According to which the appearance of Jesus uh, was really just hallucinations experienced by the disciples. Mm-hmm. Why they, uh, you know, they're, um, you know, they just all of them had this hallucination because Jesus said he was going to do it. And so, you know, and they were traumatized. Yeah, traumatization. And, you know, yeah. And so they had it. the problem here with this um, is, uh, well, actually, he says there's multiple. Well, there's problems very with this, multiple. Right? Yeah. Uh, uh, hallucinations are by nature subjective and individual. Right. There's no scientific basis for the idea that a group of people can have the same simultaneous, you know, hallucination and on repeated occasions Mm -hmm. even. Right. And hallucinations also tend to align with a person's expectations. Right. If you expect something, then it's more easy to, you know, have a hallucination about it. Mm -hmm. But many of the first uh, believers obviously didn't expect Jesus to rise from the dead. Right. And clearly the apostle Paul didn't, didn't expect that. Right. 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 Yeah. yeah. The road to Mastics, but also they sat down, they ate with him. I mean, you know, th- th- this, this would be very much elaborate that they're, they're cooking a meal and yeah. then having it with them. It's not He's like teaching some from fuzzies, you know, kind of image way yeah. off in the distance <clears throat> and say, Oh, there he is. He yeah. rose from the dead. No, these people <clears throat> ate with him. They sat with him. They touched our uh, John says we touched him and you know and hurt him and all kinds right, of things right. he, you know so yeah and the hallucination invites them to touch him too and yeah yeah uh you know it's not it's not like an appearance in the sky like uh these kind of like marian prophecies from uh, mexico or, or honduras or wherever it's not you know uh, oh three kids can see her and if if you truly really believe you'll you'll see the outline of her in, in the clouds and you know to show the kids hell and we're just supposed to believe them uh, but uh, no, that, I mean they're they're walking, they're talking, they're eating. Uh, he's living with them for you know this this period of time between the resurrection and the ascension. Something is happening there, yeah. and so much so that Paul is even pointing back to the five hundred witnesses at least that have witnessed them, the right, ones right. that they kind of know about. Yeah. And there are other naturalistic theories, but the point has been made. In the end, there has to be some satisfactory explanation for the remarkable events that took place after Jesus' crucifixion. If you accept that God could have raised Jesus to life again, I suggest to you that there's no better evidence uh, explanation to the evidence. Right. And so why should you uh, believe in, in the resurrection of Jesus, he asks? Well, he says for two basic reasons. First, the resurrection of Jesus is an integral element of the Christian worldview, right? Sure. It's it's yeah, part of the so. whole deal, right? It falls apart, right? If you don't have the resurrection. The only, uh, the Christian worldview makes sense of the things we take for granted for the universe and our place in it. And so it falls apart if you don't have the resurrection. Secondly, 
Only the resurrection of Jesus makes sense of what we know about the life of Jesus, right? The lives of his early followers, the writings of the New Testament, and the origin of the Christian church. So here's, it explains all of that. It explains the life of Jesus' followers, their writings, the Christian church, the things that we've been talking about, Mm -hmm. right? All of this is explained by the resurrection. So, you know, in terms of criteria, we might say it has powerful explanatory power, right? It explains all kinds of things, right? And again, the resurrection is something that is uh, hard to understand, but it's also what we would want to have happen. Uh, we talked about that uh, a couple episodes ago. It's a, a, it's almost a grand gesture of, of sorts. It's it's a it's a you know ten out of ten people don't leave this world alive except the one who did. So what's different about him? And what Christian theologians for two thousand years now have done is said, okay. Here's the Old Testament. It's still important. Let's go back to it. And we're, we're seeing all these things that even Jews of the time would point to, you know, Isaiah 53 and Psalm 22 and all, or Psalm 23 and all, all these different um, prophecies. Uh, and even the, the, the disciples at the time point back to them in their writings. And so the, the culmination of, of history, according to the, the Christian worldview, is culminated in the life, death, and resurrection. And the resurrection is, is the big exclamation point right, right. of, and, of and, Jesus. Right, and his point is, you know, there isn't really a good alternative explanation, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it just didn't happen. Yeah. Well, well it, something happened. Some, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what's the best explanation? Yeah. All right, well, chapter eight, well, what do we do now? All right, so we've got him rose from, he well, rose from the dead. Uh, we got a great explanation for it. The alternatives don't seem to work Boom, Christianity, you know, it seems to be the real deal, right? Close the book, set aside, pick up your next one, (laughs) continue on. Well, in this relatively short book, he says uh, that he's tried to make a positive case for believing Christianity, that is, for believing the central claims uh, of of Christianity being true. And in this closing chapter, he wants to draw all the threads together and summarize his case in a few pages. And so we try to summarize his summarization Hopefully we summed. Yeah. All right. So let's let's begin here. Why, so first, why should we believe anything at all? That's that's. I mean, that's a good reason, issue, right? I mean, that's where we started. He says, uh, put simply, we should believe something if we have good reason to believe that it's true, right? If we have good reason to believe that it's true, then that's that's you know that's why we should believe something. So he's he says that it's been argued that there are many. Um, good reason to believe that Christianity is true. But in order to appreciate those reasons, we have to recognize that Christianity is an entire worldview. And he keep pre- he's, you know, he keeps press, uh, pressing this because this is the, you know, uh, the basic idea of what he's trying to get across here. We're looking at a worldview, right? It's a comprehensive perspective on the universe, our place in it, and, and how to explain things and that sort of thing. Right. right? It's it's not like a guitar string where you, you pluck this key and, okay, you can talk about uh, that as, as separate from the other ones. And, well, you know, you can kind of strum a couple and, you know, okay, what, what does that sound like? This is more like uh, needlepoint or, or something where, where once you're finished, everything is interconnected and the picture emerges from all the different pieces of the thread. Exactly. You can't just take one out and, and say, oh, okay, well, this this orange thread is, is uh, you know, the, the part of the race car that's, you know, uh, on the downslope <laughs> or whatever. Whatever needlepoint is. I'm, I'm, I, that, that much I know. I know the word needlepoint. <laughs> so he said uh, that he discusses uh, several criteria for ev- evaluating worldviews. And he, he, he kind of gives us a list yeah. of them, right? Uh, yeah. So is uh, the worldview self-contradictory or self-refuting? 
does it cohere well? That is, uh, do its various tenants fit together and support one another? Can it account for things we take for granted in our experiences of the world and our everyday lives? Does it explain things? Right. That's that's a that's a good that's a good point. Does it make good sense of all the available evidence? Mm-hmm. So he says that his contention is that when we apply these criteria to the major worldviews held by people today, the Christian worldview is in a class on its own. Right. And so, for instance, in chapter four, he argued that many of the things that we take for granted in life make sense only if there's a transcendent personal God who created and sustains the universe, right? right? And in chapter five, he tells us um, that he makes this case for the Christianity's claim that the Bible is God's word to us, right? So kind of a coherent worldview here. Chapter six, then, we explored the true identity of Jesus of Nazareth and explained how his astonishing claims to be the promised Messiah and the divine son of God fits into the broader Christian worldview, how Jesus demonstrates that his claims are no empty boast. Mm. Chapter 7 considered another distinctive tenet of the Christian worldview, the claim that God raised Jesus from the dead, probably the central deciding factor for for Christians of of what we point to when we talk about um, the speciality of Jesus or our understanding of who God is. Um, It it really culminates on, on the resurrection because we point to back to creation, original sin, the Old Testament, the prophecies, um, the atonement. I mean, all these things are wrapped up in the resurrection. And so, mm-hmm. again, it's it's why. Um, and and you made mention about how we see today preachers tend to not focus so much on the resurrection, but it seems like if you read the Bible, so much of it is focused on, and our Lord who rose from the dead, yeah. and uh, you should do this because uh, Christ forgave you much as because he rose from the dead. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It, it, especially it's, in the book of the preaching in the book of Acts, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. especially there. Yeah. So it explains why this tenet is an integral element of the Christian worldview, why objections to miracles implicitly deny the existence of God and why it's reasonable to believe that Jesus really did rise again from the dead. Right. All this we covered. So yeah. good job. Yeah. So here's the bottom line, he tells us. Only a worldview that is centered on an absolute personal God can account for the most basic features of the universe, right? Such as the, uh, its existence right. and orderliness and uh, the most basic features of uh, human experience, such as our self-consciousness, you know, and reason and our moral values, right? Uh, so when we examine the main contenders, he tells us, for uh, God-centered worldviews, we can see that the Christian worldview is really the only coherent and uh, viable one. No other worldview comes close to the Christian worldview. No other worldviews, uh, scriptures, you know, other religions, scriptures come close to the Bible and their credibility. No other religious figures, teachings, and deeds come close to those of Jesus. So when we look at all of this, you know, and we look at how it all fits together. He's arguing here that um, Christianity is the best, you know, it's the best worldview. It's the superior worldview. Right. right? And, and if you're wanting to look at other religions, there's a reason why so many religions also try to co-opt or point to Jesus in some fashion. Well, what about? That's the question. Right. Several- so what about this, right? Yeah. And that, and right. this, and this. Right? I, I, I have a thing to, that I want to say that uh, is the reason why I don't believe yeah. There's a good reason to That's believe in right. Christianity. Here it is. What about this? Yep. Yeah. Well, there are several things that he hasn't done in this book. For one, although he's given many reasons why you should believe Christianity, he hasn't explained why you shouldn't believe some other religions or mm. worldviews, at least not directly. Right. 
So in order to keep the book focused and relatively concise, which uh, it's what, about 150 pages or yeah, so? Well, well about two, 200, 200, okay. A little yeah. over 200 pages. Uh, so reasonably spaced, typeset, all that, all the good stuff that we're looking for in a book <laughs> these days. Sorry, we, we, can, we can feel like we're going through a book. <laughs> in order to keep uh, this book focused and relatively concise, he has, hasn't discussed in any detail the other major religions or worldviews out there. Nevertheless, by making a positive case for Christianity, He's indirectly explained why its competitors fall short. Right. He's done that. Right. So, for example, in chapter six and seven, uh, he made the case for two central tenets of Christianity. Jesus was the divine son of God and Jesus rose from the dead. If those tenets are true, then all non-Christian religions um, and ideologies have to be rejected. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, again, he hasn't uh, he's given the positive case for Christianity. He hasn't, you know, necessarily given direct detailed criticism of other worldviews, right? Uh, Also, you know, he hasn't explicitly discussed all the alternatives to Christianity, right? There are at least, uh, you know, uh, but he he wants us to know that there really are addressed indirectly, right? right? When he's making his case for Christianity, right? Another thing he hasn't done is to respond to common objections and arguments against Christianity, such as, what about all the evil and suffering of the world? What about the Big Bang and Darwin's theory of evolution? Hmm. Aren't there errors and contradictions in the Bible? It's almost like you could put on another one of our shows for that. <laughs> How could an all-loving God send anyone to hell? If Christianity is so great, why do some Christians behave so poorly? And so he talks yeah. about why he hasn't covered those. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, and as he mentions, you know, his aim has been to keep the book a respectable link right. and to focus specifically on the positive reasons for believing Christianity. Each of the objections, right, above deserves to be addressed in more detail. In fact, each one deserves an entire book, he says, devoted to it, right? Uh, which is precisely why this book is part of a, a larger series, <laughs> right. right? So notice it's called The Big Ten Critical Questions Answered, mm-hmm. right? And so other titles, he says, in, in the series will deal with some of the, um, you know, the, uh, the common objections to Christianity, right? Right. Uh, does Christianity really work? And then his one, why is there evil in the world? Hasn't science shown that we don't need God? Mm. Is there really only one way to God? Why do I personally experience evil and suffering? Why does the old the God of the Old Testament seem so violent and hateful? And why should I trust the Bible? How could a long, lo- loving God send anyone to hell? If Christianity is so good, why are Christians so bad? So right. those are the ten. I believe he they have written four of them, but that's, that's the, the plan going forward. They do have the authors, uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. recognized yeah. here and listed. So, yeah. He's got a lot of his uh, good friends to, to write for him. So <laughs> that's what you do. You make good friends, you make them write other parts of your series. <laughs> so he says, uh, that said, I don't want to, he doesn't want to give the impression that he's trying to dodge these issues. So mm. let him save uh, for the following response. As he, he's considered the various objections people raise against Christianity, they typically fall into two basic ca- categories. All right, so what are then these two basic categories that uh, these objections to Christianity fall into? Well, he says uh, the first category, and this category, there are objections that are simply that miss the target, right? Uh, they're, they're, not, they're based on a misunderstanding or a mi- misrepresentation of what Christianity actually teaches, right? Mm-hmm. So, in other words, these objections attack a straw man, right? <laughs> They're really objections to a poor imposter rather than a genuine article. So the first kind or category of objections 
are straw man objections. They're not really objecting to what Christianity teaches, right? They, they're objecting to some misunderstanding about what Christianity is all about. Right. Or this might come, again, from taking one part of the worldview and trying to and view running, it. Running with yeah, it. Right? For that one. <laughs> or running against yeah, it. Right. Well, how can an all-loving God send anyone to hell? Okay, well, can I talk about God's justice? No, no, no. He's only all-loving. Okay, well, that's not quite how <laughs> that's it That's not the full picture. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, so the second category then are the criticism, which are directed at Christianity, but tactically uh, they take for granted some other worldview than the Christian one. All right. So these indeed uh, go after Christianity and they look at the real deal with regard to what Christianity is teaching, but uh, it's they don't consider the whole, the, all of Christianity. Right. right? They, they want to apply their worldview on top of it. So, oh, you, you say supernatural things uh, happen. We know that supernatural things don't happen. Right. Okay. But, I mean, you're, <laughs> you're coming at it with your worldview. We're, we're, we're talking about a clash of worldview here. So step into mine, take on to it like, like you would believe it, and then attack it internally. Right. That, that's what you're going to have to do. So they hold uh, fundamentally different assumptions about God and his purposes than us, than those Christians hold. But in that case, their objections simply presuppose that Christianity is wrong. It's hardly a compelling objection to say you reject Christianity because it's not something other than Christianity. <laughs> and, and, you know, I've had these discussions on, on our YouTube page with, with uh, Muslims. They want to say, oh, uh, you know, uh, we know that the Bible's been changed a million different ways, uh, but I want you to point to me one, one spot where uh, Jesus says, I am God, worship me. I say, well, the, whatever I give you, you're going to go back to, we know the Bible's been changed a million different ways. So... Let me take your idea and say, all right, we have the NGL, the, 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 I'm a person of the book. I tell you that uh, uh, Jesus says that he's the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father except through me. So believe me because I've, I've got uh, the, the gospel that was given to the early church has continued throughout that message. That message hasn't changed. So believe your scripture that says believe my scripture my scripture says don't believe your scripture. So there's the <laughs> internal critique done yeah. for, for Muslims. And so, no, 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 why are you dodging the question? Well, even if I gave you a, an explicit one, you wouldn't, you wouldn't say, yeah, oh, okay, well, yeah, I, I guess say, well, you can convince me now. Yeah. <laughs> there's always something yeah. to fall back on. I'm, I'm going based on your presumptions of what you allowed for your worldview. And so I'm taking an internal critique of that. So there's a lot more that you can do with the Muslim stuff there, obviously. But... Um, uh, that, that's what we've done there. Um, a further ir irony is that many of the common objections to Christianity also unwittingly depend on the Christian worldview. Right. For example, moral objections and scientific objections hold water only if objective moral values are real and scientific knowledge is possible. Well, the, so the, the problem the, of evil is dependent on the existence of good, right? Right. And can you really have good if you don't have a person who is has values, mm -hmm. right? right? And if you have ultimate values, then you have to have kind of an ultimate kind of person, and that's God, right? Uh, reason only ex exists in uh, a, a being's mind. Uh, once uh, there were no <laughs> humans, where was reason? Yeah. I will, I'll, I'll agree. It has to have a mind. Yeah. It was in someone's mind. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, so he's, uh, he's argued both uh, morality and science depend on the existence of God, and the Christian worldview is the only defensible God-centered worldview. Right. Yeah. And so while, you know, he hasn't directly addressed the various common objections to Christianity, he has argued in this book um, 
the arguments that he's given for Christianity have gone some way towards indicating where many of these objections have gone wrong. Right. Right. <clears throat> so what's all the alternative? Well, if Christianity isn't true, then what is true? As he's emphasized in this book, everyone has a worldview. Everyone needs a worldview in order to interpret the world and try to make sense of it. We all do it. We might not say, oh, th- this this thing is part of my worldview, and I'm looking at the, 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 the scope of my existence through this lens. We might not actively do it, and people might not actively do that in their daily lives, but they do. Yeah, they, yeah. they get in their car. They expect to run. They don't realize, oh, okay, well, I turn the key. Uh, gas shoots out, the f- flame sparks, and I expect it to go and chugs along. I think yeah. that's how engines work. <laughs> <laughs> Cars go vroom for me, and, and if it doesn't go vroom, I, I yeah. take it to someone who makes it go vroom. That's so, right. <laughs> uh, and, and, and so, uh, you know, the, there's an expectation that science will continue on, that the, 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 the car that you left in the garage is the same car that uh, you Or it will even from. be there right. when you, when you yeah. go look yeah. again, right? Yeah. Uh, or, or, or that you shouldn't run over people as you're driving, That's even right. though you might really want to. So, <laughs> you know, if the, the, their people come to clash with certain ideas with, within their worldview that they don't even realize as well. Okay, well, I, I'm, a, I'm a, a believer that, uh, that there's no such thing as, as good or evil, uh, but I shouldn't, I shouldn't run that person over. I wouldn't like that if that were happened. Well, right. hold on, red flag. Yeah. Where, where is that coming from? <laughs> <laughs> so in the end, only one worldview can be true because different worldviews make conflicting truth claims. Furthermore, some worldviews or others or another uh, must be true. Yeah. If you think Christianity is wrong, uh, is the wrong answer to the question of which worldview makes sense of the world. And there still has to be a right answer. So what is your answer? And uh, how would you go about defending that? Right, so, right. You, you so there's a, a challenge there he gives us, right? All right, and this uh, this kind of last section, he says, yeah. uh, God still speaks, right? He says, I've hoped I've gone some way in this uh, book toward persuading you that you should believe Christianity. But if you're not convinced, at least not yet, he hopes that, um, uh, well, he says he won't be too shocked. Why? Well, in the first place, it's uh, challenging to step outside of our worldview, right? I right. mean, that's that's tough, right? Uh, we see the world, as you mentioned, it from a from a um, a particular perspective, and it's tough to step outside of that. So, if Christianity looks unreasonable to you, he says, that's very likely because you're judging it through the lens of your current wor- worldview, rather than considering it on its own uh, terms, right? right? And like any good uh, idea that I have, I think of Star Trek. Jean-Luc Picard uh, has uh, contact with this group that talks in story form, and he he doesn't get it at first, but (laughs) there's no other way to communicate because they have no way of communicating other than what they have. And so he spends the entire episode just trying to figure out what he's even talking about, and they must defeat the monster together, but the guy dies and ultimately realizes, oh, they're speaking in a way where the stories of their culture inform how they are uh, everyday speaking. Mm. And so mm. then he figures it out and it's one of the best episodes of next generation, of course. So, so I'm just going to put my Star Trek. Thing <laughs> so, it's, it's, but sometimes it's hard to get outside that mindset of like, okay, well, here's my logical progression. I want to tell you a, B and C, and I also want to preclude D E and F from you. And so I'm going to make this argument, but if you're not, you know, from that culture that speaks in such a way, it's hard to, right. to, to, get to step out of your, your mindset. Yeah. So what's more, if uh, Christianity really is true, then something qu- quite paradoxical follows. It's reasonable to believe in Christianity, 
but it's not natural to believe it. All right, so it's reasonable, but not natural, right, right? Right. which is kind of is, is paradoxical, right? <laughs> right? Well, that's because as Christianity teaches, all of us are born corrupted by sin and in a state of rebellion against God. Sin distorts how we see the world and disrupts our relationship with God. It causes our rebellious desires to interfere with our God-given reason. So our natural state uh, is to be sinners, right? Self-centered and rebellion against God. And so even though Christianity may be reasonable, uh, it's not naturally uh, natural for us to believe it because of the state that we find ourselves in, right? There's a naturalistic explanation for why we don't believe in God, according to the Christian worldview, (laughs) is that our, our, our nature is corrupted and we're haters of God, we're lovers of our sin, we uh, do what we desire, everyone does what they desire, we desire to sin, and so even when we're doing good works, we're um, in that same state of not doing it for the right reasons, we're not uh, um, giving uh, praise to God for all that, um, for allowing us to do the good deeds that we think we're doing, um, and so yes, on one hand, uh, sin is not the full natural state, but that's to be corrected. Right. It's the state Christ. that we find ourselves in. Right. Right. Yeah. right. When, when we're born, yeah. um, that's the, the federal <laughs> headship uh, rules that, uh, that we have to live by yeah. according to the, the rules of the universe. And so he says we need outside assistance. Help. We need supernatural <laughs> assistance, right? Uh, and so that's precisely why Christianity teaches that a supernatural work of God is required in a person's heart and mind in order to accept the Christian faith, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so for that acceptance, uh, it demands uh, nothing less, he tells us, than personal trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and thus a wholesale uh, transfer of our allegiance to right, Christ, right. right? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a reason we're, we're called, um, you know, we, we're also attributed to our father, the devil, and then we're adopted by God through Christ into his family so that we're able to be called sons and daughters, and we're able to be brothers and sisters together. That's why one of the, the early critiques of Christianity was, oh, these incestuous people are sitting around. <laughs> right. uh, brothers it, and sisters, uh, goodness knows. Consuming right? in cannibalistic form right. their God. Yeah. What is this? Eating the body yeah. of somebody and again, drinking because, their blood. Because <laughs> an outside person was coming into a foreign concept where yeah. brothers and sisters, that's not what I call other people <laughs> other than my brothers and sisters. All these people are brothers and sisters? Ooh, that's gross. <laughs> even from a, from a Roman perspective. So you perspective. married your sister? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, you married her first, then you became brother and sister? How does that work? But perhaps you're thinking, if it takes a supernatural work of God to believe in Christianity, wasn't it all a waste of time to write this book? Yep, throw it away. Yeah, what the world you. are you doing? I mean, goodness knows. We, right? we got your $12.99. So why wasn't it a waste yeah. of time? Was it a waste of time? Well, the fact is that God normally uses human means to accomplish his purposes. Right. So what is his argument here is, no, it's not a waste right. of time, right? right? That God uses means, right, uh, in order to accomplish his right. purposes. Yeah. No matter what side of the soteriology debate that you're on, uh, we come to understand that God enters into a relationship with us, and we have this relationship where we're the messengers of God. Not only are we the image of God, everybody's in the image of God, and so all people declare who God is to one another, but we are the emissaries of God. We're we're the 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 um we're the servants and sons and daughters of God that He sends out. Uh, uh, we were just reading in, in, in Mark. I have a lot of Mark ideas because we've been reading through Mark. But you know, uh, He sends He sends uh, s- servants and and to the to the tenants of the field that He told to to, to you know uh, tend the field, and He was going to get the 
the portion, and they beat some, they kill some, and then finally he sends his son. Yeah, and finally the son's going to do it. Yeah. yeah. And so they say, oh, right. here's the son. If we get rid of him, right. the deed is, you know, the deal is done, and we can go, right. you know, we can yeah. have this. Yeah. yeah. Somehow that, that works in, in their mind. <laughs> but no, and then it flourishes, and the, the, the expanse of who gets sent out and who takes the place of what Jesus started is, is us. And so uh, God uses those means, us, uh, to accomplish his purpose. Take, for example, the Bible. Suppose God could have dropped down the Bible from heaven on golden plates. Yeah. There's a version that, 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 that tried to think right? that. A <laughs> uh, 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 newer understanding, uh, aka not the original understanding of the Quran, was you know that that uh, Allah's word can't be changed, and so uh, the word exists on a slightly uh, lower plane than Allah, but it's still handed down to Muhammad, and Muhammad just is the transmitter of the the word of Allah. So you know he's just handing down what's given to him by this angel. Uh, but uh, but that's not what happens with the Bible. Instead, he used human authors to write it under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Right. So, you know, the, the, why isn't it just a list of rules? Because we get a, a relationship aspect between God and people within that. So we can see, okay, here's where people succeeded. Here's where people failed. It, it's the same thing. Why, why do we get so much joy out of reading Lord of the Rings, right? Because yeah. it's people who embody uh, characteristics that we want or that we desire or that we don't want or desire, or we see ourselves that we uh, wish we didn't have. And so uh, this, this epic tale of, of doing a thing and, and carrying it out, uh, it, it, it talks to us uh, from, from this, uh, from this point of view of, of kind of the human experience. And we, we, we kind of see ourselves within it because we're, even though it's orcs and dwarves and all these weird things and magic, it still speaks to that, that, story that we're involved in even today. Right. And uh, and so, except the Bible is talking about historical accounts, true accounts mm-hmm. of real people that right. existed, right. right? Yeah. And so he tells us that one of the points that he's emphasized in this book is that God is real, that he speaks to us. And not only has God spoken in the past, he continues to speak, right, mm-hmm. uh, to people today. And that includes, of course, anybody that's reading um his book and anybody that's alive, right? God is continually speak. Right. God speaks through his creation, through the natural order. He speaks through the human conscience, right? Pressing upon us the awareness of his moral laws. Romans 1, 2, 3. That's right. <laughs> the guiltiness of our breaking them, right? He speaks through his inspired scriptures, the Bible. Mm-hmm. So God is continuing to speak today, right? right? And he speaks through the people that that were changed by him and want to tell other people about him. So it's one of the reasons why you have good people that, that try and carry the message. It's why you have bad people that try and carry the message. It's why you have good people uh, have a faulty view of the message, but try to, to, to explain what they have. It's why you have lowly people who get big followings, like people like DL Moody, who are like shoe salesmen, but become known. You know, I know the word, I know the name DL Moody. And then you have, uh, you know, big name people who become small and, and carry out the gospel. C.T. Studd, you know, yeah. C.T. Studd uh, is this this giant uh, uh, sports person in the U.K. And he could have done that more, but he goes out and gives all his money away to, for, to the furtherment of, of the gospel. There, mm. There's a reason mm. that it, it uh, affects us because it's infected in us that we're, we're changed in that way. And so we want to tell other people. Eric Lytle, right? The... the uh, Olympic, uh, you know, runner (laughs) who was extremely popular and that sort of thing. And yet he went off to China on the mission. Yeah. Right. right. So if you're beginning to think that there are good reasons to believe in Christianity after all, 
if the Christian worldview is actually starting to make more sense to you, then he says that he humbly suggests that uh, that may be a sign of the supernatural working in you. Might not happen right away. It might you might need to read thirteen other books. You might need to talk to two other people. You might need to hear the song on the radio. Whatever it is that that God uses to to move you, He will. And that's the great thing that we can have confidence just in the nature of of who God is revealed in his scripture. Mm. It's an indication that God is giving you eyes to see the world as he meant you to see it, that God is giving you ears to hear the message as he wants you to hear it. Right. And so, uh, you know, the truly astounding message is that because of God's immeasurable love, rebels like us can have the slate wiped clean and receive uh, eternal life through his son, Jesus Christ. Right. And then he ends the book by, uh, just kind of explaining how that works, right? He 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 lists several uh, yeah. passages here, right? For God so loved the world that he um, gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of the this gospel presentation is how he ends the book, right? Right. right. And so it's it's we're we're not doing this to win arguments. We're not doing this to uh, think high of ourselves. In fact, uh, just the opposite tends to be true. Is once you start cracking open the secrets of the universe, mm-hmm. you start going, okay, there's a lot less than I know. And even if you go up to stars or down to molecules, you, you feel Actually, big. There's a lot more that, yeah, I, that I don't know, right? right? <laughs> yeah, out of, out of all the things. And so, and so that, that's, that's one of the reasons why we do it. And another is to, to build up other believers and um, to encourage people to understand, to come to know the, the God that created us, the God that made you, the God that, uh, you know, is able to save you, that wants to save you. And so um, that, that's what our desire is as well. And hopefully you've, uh, you've gotten at least something out of it. You've um, at least had a question or two, maybe you had answered a question or two, or, um, uh, I, you know, I enjoyed reading this book. It's, it's, uh, it's a good uh, hand her over book. You know, it's, uh, I'm, I'm looking for a book. I'm new in faith. Oh, here, I've got a good one. Oh, yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a good yeah. kind of um, coverage of a brief explanation of, of, worldviews of Christian worldview of the gospel, you know, why Jesus, I mean, that, that one chapter where we, where we did three episodes just on what the Christian worldview says uh, is an important one. And it covers a lot in a short period of time. I mean, Mm. we did, you know, three 25 minute, (laughs) half an hour um, episodes Um, on it. So, and there's a lot more to be said. That's, I mean, that's just the gospel. Then let's crack open the old Testament and let's compare old and new Testament. Let's, you know, Talk about end times, you know, let's get into even Lots more conversations about, yeah. about, about all this. And so, <laughs> and so, you know, we, we can talk about all these uh, different worldviews and the comp- competitiveness of it, but uh, ultimately at the end of the day too, um, you know, is your worldview uh, making full sense of the world and um, does it, does it uh, cohere to itself? And so that's why we ask that uh, you step into the other person's worldview and take a look at it. And within your own worldview, does it make sense? Or are there things that land outside the box that it doesn't explain? Yeah. And so ultimately we encourage and uh, would delight in anyone uh, who comes to Saving Faith in Christ. And if that's you, perfect. Uh, go join a local church. Uh, if, if you're already a believer, go join the local church. <laughs> and uh, if, if you um, hate what we've said, um, 
I hope uh, at least uh, it gives you an idea that uh, this is what Christians believe and uh, it's where we're coming from. So uh, those are all the things that Dr. Anderson kind of wrote about and I think he did a fairly well oh, good yeah. job there. Yeah, I think so. Nice, concise summary of what's, yeah. yeah. All right, well, um, we'll put out a little video or uh, announcement for our next book. Uh, we're, we're looking to do uh, one to two um, uh, as far as uh, uh, deciding between the two. And uh, uh, it's just probably just about which order we, we go in. <laughs> and so uh, th- thank you for joining us. Uh, um, please uh, support Dr. Anderson. Um, I'll list all his, his links uh, in the comments uh, description below. Um, buy the book on Amazon. Um, you can support the show by, by clicking on the links. Uh, if not, that's fine too. And uh, you can get it at any number one, even if you don't support Amazon. Um, but, uh, but Dr. Anderson's uh, one smart cookie. And so you should... Uh, definitely check out uh, a bunch of interviews he's done. He's just, uh, I mean, Scottish accent always helps uh, on, on top of that, but uh, yeah. he's a, a very gracious person from what I've seen, even uh, in his debates with, uh, with uh, non-believers. So mm-hmm. um, th- thank you, Dr. Anderson, for writing this book, and thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time. We'll see you next time.